Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, help us to turn our hearts to you and hear what you have spoken to us in your word. Speak peace and comfort to your people. Help us to hear the gospel and rest and receive you alone for our salvation. It is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, if you've been with us this summer, you know we're in a series going through Paul's last letter that he wrote to his protege, Timothy, a young pastor in the city of Ephesus, and his last words that Paul wrote to the church. And even though Paul is himself a Roman citizen, he is in a Roman prison cell awaiting his death because after even much, much of his life was filled with suffering and difficulty, Paul has remained faithful to the preaching of the gospel that Jesus, that Jesus is Lord. And Paul's faithfulness has rubbed up against cultural pressures to say that not Jesus is Lord, but Caesar is Lord. And his faithfulness has rubbed up and created friction and tension against the idols of the day. And he finds himself in prison, awaiting his own execution by his own country. So this morning's text, Paul picks up many of these same themes that we've been looking at, if you've been with us, and that he's been developing in these first few chapters, which which is this. The call of a Christian is to endure suffering for the gospel because because this life is not all that there is and suffering does not have the final word over a Christian. So Paul says that you can face this life courageously and with great confidence and great courage and great hope. This morning's text is going to show us the grounds for this. So Paul says, if you remember, if you remember that you have been plunged into a deeper, into a deeper and more cosmic story, where everything not only will work out in the end, but where everything in the end will be infinitely better. If you remember that you've been plunged into a story like that, that would mean that you could face anything now with great confidence and great courage. So what Paul talks about in this section is the power of memory. Specifically, the power of remembering story, the story of the Christian gospel, as the power and the grounds to embrace and endure great trials and great suffering because it's through the gospel, as we've been looking at, it's through the gospel that we have a lens where we can see that through trials comes triumph, through pruning comes fruitfulness. Through fire comes strength. The way to power is to serve. The way to receive is to give. The way to glory is through the cross. By death ultimately comes life. Because the gospel takes what we see as weakness 
and uses it for God's ultimate tool and for his purposes. Even when it seems like utter weakness and foolishness to us. So this morning, let me share a little bit about the power of story, and then I'll dive into two things after that. So first, the power of story. How do cultures make sense of evil, pain, heartbreak? What do we do? We create and we share stories, right? Not only fictional stories, but we'll share real stories as well, right? Stories tell us and show us how the world is. And it also, they also show us how the world could be. And it puts our experiences into a meaning-making framework. But stories do more than that. They also capture us. Why do we love stories? Why do we get lost in a novel or a movie or a great show? Because the story captures our imagination. What Charles Taylor He called it, our our moral imagination is awakened and enchanted because stories help us see and believe that there is more. They awaken us and enchant us to something deeper, to deeper meaning and deeper truths. And good stories give us a longing for the way that the world could be. Why? Because it's maybe. Maybe stories actually show us the way that the world is supposed to be. Tolkien wrote an essay about the power of stories, and what what he said in his essay was this. He says, a really great story and a great storyteller creates a world that captures both our real-world experience, what we experience and know to be true, and gives us a glimpse where our greatest longings ultimately can be true. He called those things that we really longed for to be true, Tolkien called those secondary belief. And what he understood is that we love stories. We'll get lost in them if there is a string of that secondary belief woven throughout the story. If there's a string of good vanquishing over evil, if there's a string of eternal love, of deep friendship, of someone being chosen, of self-sacrifice, of escaping death, of a hero's victory, we'll get lost in it. Why? Because those are our deepest longings that we yearn to be true. But the story will end. The book will close. The credits will roll. And though we are swept up into something beautiful and hopeful for a moment, when the story ends, you are just a, another person in the real world again. Unless, unless there's more. You see, what a good storyteller knows is that we are meaning-making machines. And the story you believe you are in has a significant impact on how you're able to live today. You see, the power of memory is the power of of the story that you believe that you are in. Because it roots you into what you believe to be ultimately true. The modern ages stories are are profoundly and particularly bleak, are they not? These stories have what Tolkien called primary belief. In other words... We, we see our human experience, we see merely factual, true things in them, which is instead of escaping death, there's just death. And it's going to take everything away from you and end everything that you love and be the end of love itself, right? Technology is going to threaten our social connections, right? You know what I'm talking about in these modern stories. There's not a longing. There's not a longing for more. And we might identify with those because our real world experience is is right there, right? 
But let's be honest, we don't get lost in those stories. They don't stand the test of time, right? Many modern people are in that kind of story, though. It's just factual. You live, you work, pay taxes, you die, the end, right? If there's nothing beyond the immediate human experience, what else is there to tell, right? One of the ultimate modern secular stories is Hemingway's Farewell to Arms, if you're familiar with it. You know, the main character, Frederick Henry, he's trying to survive as a soldier in World War I so that he can be united with the woman that he loves, Catherine Barclay. And at the very end, he struggled and he struggled and he suffered to be with her. And what happens? She dies. That's it. Death takes everything away from him. It's the end of life. It's the end of love. That's a modern story. Even if there are glimpses of good in those stories, ultimately, what they say is death is inescapable and it's going to take everything away from you unless. C.S. Lewis, profoundly committed atheist before he met J.R.R. Tolkien, said that all of these fantasy stories, they're great, but they're just myths. They're not true. All we really have at the end of the day is that modern stuff, right? And you know what Tolkien said to him in response? He said, no. No, they are true. How? How could they be true? Because what Tolkien said and knew is that every story that speaks to our deepest longings, they all point to a greater story. Tolkien knew that all stories point to the ultimate story. All stories with truth point to the ultimate story, the story of Jesus. If you want ultimate meaning, If you want your deepest longings to be true, you need to be plunged into the story that engulfs all other stories, where everything that is good and beautiful is ultimately true through the person of Jesus. So remember, Paul says, remember the ultimate story. Remember Jesus. In other words, you need to be plunged into the story of all stories where everything that you long for becomes true. Everything you long to be true is true because Jesus is the reality in which all other realities point to. That's the power of story. Now the two things. The first is this. Remember the story is about the promises of God. Now let me show you. Let me show you this. This passage here in 2 Timothy is absolutely filled with the promises of God. Look at verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, the offspring of David. In other words, remember the promised Messiah who God would, would, would establish and call and, and who would reign and rule and he would come through the family tree of King David and he would bring victory to God's people and not temporal peace, but ultimate peace. And Paul says, That promise is preached in my gospel, meaning the good news that was promised long, long ago, not just to David, but to Adam and Eve in the very beginning of the world, a promise that death and that Satan would ultimately be defeated, that everything sad would become untrue one day through this promised one. Look at verse 9. The word of God is not bound. Paul says God's very word contains not only the power of God to save, but contains the story of the Lord of the Word. And it is the power of God. It through the person of Jesus. 
And he has come to us in real history, in real life, in real accounts that we can ultimately trust in, in a real historical person, and it's right there in his word. You see, Paul's in prison, and yet the power of God is stronger than ever, he says, because while he is bound, God's word is not bound. The gospel is the power of God to save. It cannot be bound because God promised that through it he would build his kingdom of ultimate peace. And where his word is, goes forth, where his word is proclaimed, where his gospel is preached, is the power of God to save. God's word does not return void. It goes forth in saving power and it shows us the person of Jesus. Tim Keller would always say, what do you find when you go into the word of the Lord? You find the Lord of the word. You see, the whole Bible is about a person, the person of Jesus, God's promised Messiah. Verse 10, Paul says, I endure everything. I endure everything for the sake of the elect. He's willing to endure everything and to take the same road that Jesus took himself. So, that's God's very, so that God's very own people would hear this message of salvation and peace. That they would hear the promises of God in Christ and that they would believe them. So Paul endures as Jesus endured at great cost. At great cost to himself so that God's people will cheat death and be received into God's very own family, even if they never had a family before. And they'll receive glory, even if they never had glory in this life. And they'll, and they'll be given life even though they faced death. And they'll have an eternal resurrection even though they went through death. They'll be plunged into the very love of the triune God for all of eternity. And Paul labors so that God's people would be plunged into the love of God. Verse 13, when we're not faithful to him, he's still faithful to us. Because he's promised to always choose his own people. He cannot deny himself. He cannot lie. Do you see the story of Christianity is first a story of great promise. Paul is telling Timothy the tension, the tension of this life between the ideal and reality. Tension in between those. Is the hope that things are not the way they're supposed to be, but... They're not always going to be like this. It's longing for the promises to be fulfilled for a greater story in which all other stories point. You see, we know deep down our deepest longing is for love to be eternal, for good to triumph. We long to be chosen. We long to cheat death. You see, we accept reality is true, but we don't want it to be ultimately true. We live in this tension between the ideal and the real, which inevitably will produce conflict and suffering because we know how things should be, but right now they're not that way. So Paul says, remember, remember the story, remember the promises, remember the story you are in, remember Jesus who comes and he bursts through that tension so that he could be in your life and that he could be your Lord. He bursts through the tension where our deepest longings become ultimately true in him. Friend, do you see yourself in the story? Do you see yourself as the object of God's rescue and the recipient of his promises? Remember. That's the first thing. The second thing is to remember the story is about what God has accomplished. Verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ 
risen from the dead. One of the keys to understanding 2 Timothy is to see the way that Paul connects suffering with the resurrection. If Jesus suffered and Jesus embraced suffering and went through the road of the cross and by it he overcomes the power of sin and the curse of death and it's through his death that he overcomes these then the Christian calling is to embrace that same road, the road of the cross. Because the Christian knows the way to the crown, the way to glory is through suffering and through death. But if he's gone before us, we could walk. We could walk that same road. You see, Paul will talk about false teachers in 2 Timothy in the following chapters. He's already mentioned two earlier at the end of chapter one that we've already looked at. Those false teachers, they didn't believe that the The road of the cross was the way to the crown. They abandoned suffering, but they still wanted the crown. So what's Paul saying here? I admit this is is quite challenging. But let me show you why it's worth it to see it. Paul is saying the Christian calling is to embrace suffering. Two reasons. First, because Jesus suffered. And if we're going to follow him, the road is one of self-denial. It's a road of service to others at great cost to ourselves because that is the road that Jesus took. That is the road of glory. And the real key, the real key is to see that that road itself is glorious. The second reason is this, the tension between the ideal and reality, what's called the now and the not yet, knows that in the not yet reality, there's a tension, inevitable suffering and conflict will happen because while sin and death do not have the final word over a Christian, they still exist now. And a Christian knows they will have to embrace the sting of sin and death and somehow they can. Somehow they can. How? Because one day the not yet is going to engulf the now. All of the now is going to be swept up in the not yet. The promises of the not yet, the fulfillment of the not yet is going to engulf the now. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus has come and he's broken right through that tension. He's burst into reality. He's burst into the now in real history. And the resurrection is the ultimate sign of his victory over it. And one day, everything is going to be engulfed in the victory of Jesus through the resurrection. You see, a lot of modern people, they want the crown without the cross. Another way to say this is a lot of people want the kingdom without the king. But Paul is saying, to have the kingdom, you must walk the way of the king. To have the crown, you must walk the way of the cross. Verse 11, to have life, you must die with him. And if we've died with him in a death like his, Romans chapter 6, we will also live with him. And we'll have glory and a crown like his because the resurrection, it bursts into reality and it says, through suffering and through death, Jesus comes and he brings life. You see, remember Remember that Jesus came to make everything new. Everything will be engulfed into his glory in a real resurrection, a material resurrection, not because of what we do, but because of what he has done. And his resurrection is the ultimate sign of his victory. So what does this mean for us? It means God's people are called to suffer for the good of others. Build up. Build up what is good and beautiful to invest, to invest. 
for the sake of others, and often that comes at great cost to themselves. But it's for the gospel, and to suffer great sufferings of this life with great hope and great confidence. See, that's the road of self-denial. That's the road of service. That's the road of the cross. You must see that the road to the crown is through the cross, because the road of the cross makes you more, friend, the road of the cross will make you more like Jesus. That was the road that Jesus took. What Paul is saying, and then what this whole letter to Timothy is saying, his final words to his protege, his final words to the church, what Paul is saying is, will you take that same road? Will you take the road that Jesus took? Will you take the road that Paul took? Will you take the road of the cross to the crown? You see, you cannot have the kingdom without the king. To inherit the kingdom means you must walk. You must walk the way of the king. And our, our king walked a, a, a way of great suffering. But he did that for us. So that it's through him and through his death that our deepest longings would ultimately become true. You see, the ultimate story as the ultimate hero, and it says that every nightmare in this life that has walked through the way of the cross is also going to walk the way of life through the resurrection of Jesus. It's going to be swept up into his glory for all of eternity. It's going to be plunged into a deeper story, a story that engulfs all other stories. If we participate in his suffering, if we participate in a death like his, we'll also participate in a resurrection, a real, material, bodily resurrection with him will participate in the renewal of all things. We'll participate in eternal love, eternal glory and renewal with him, and we will escape death. And friends, it will not be a fairy tale. It will be real. So you must remember that he overcame death at great cost to himself, so that in him we would also reign with him. So how can a Christian face that tension, the tension of this life? How can a Christian face profound suffering? Remember the story that you are in. Remember Jesus burst right through that tension so that he could be in your life. His resurrection is the ultimate sign. It shows us that through the cross comes triumph over the sting of sin and the sting of death so that he could come and he could be your Lord, and he could save you, and he could bring you into the very family of God so that we would be plunged into the ultimate story with him. A story, friends, where the credits would never roll, the pages would never run out. C.S. Lewis said in the last battle, the last book of the series of Narnia, he said, after all the stories of our life, after, after all of our adventures, after we die, we'll realize something. We'll realize after we die that our whole life, all of our adventures was in this life was just the title page. Just the title page of our book. What Lewis understood is there is infinitely more to be written in the ultimate story where nothing is more hopeful and more beautiful and more true than the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's right here in his very word for us. We get his very own person here. We see the eternal love of God right here. Friend, what more could anyone need than the person of Jesus, the ultimate story, the ultimate hero, where everything we long for becomes ultimately true and everything we hope for is fulfilled in him. Let us pray.
O Lord, plunge us deeper into the ultimate story. Help us to remember that when our faith and trust is in you, our stories are swept up into your great story of rescue and redemption. Help us to remember that you promised to make everything new through your true and real resurrection. You are coming again to make all things new, including us when we trust and believe in you. Give us a great and ultimate hope, not in ourselves, but in you, a person, the very Son of God who goes into the face of death and overcomes it. Oh Lord, let us trust, trust in you. Be faithful to us, oh Lord. Fulfill your promises. We ask this in the mighty name of Christ. Amen.